It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And welcome back to the South End Zone, part of the Billy Up Sports Network. I'm your host, Jason Bailey. I am with Eric Mulher, as always. Eric, what's going on, man? How, how was your Christmas? Merry Christmas. Thank you. Merry Christmas to you as well. It went it went pretty uh, went pretty good. We can talk about some of the details later on. We have a, a Christmas annoyances segment coming up for our listeners. But uh, uh, yeah, overall... It, you know, it was a solid B plus experience. Like I don't have many big complaints. Yeah, no kidding. And uh, for those of you who are watching with us, we appreciate you hopping in. And uh, if you haven't yet, please click subscribe. That would be wonderful, and that will help us continue to want to do this. Even though we do love doing it, some days we're like, oh god. So anytime we get interaction, we always appreciate it, and uh, we've grown quite a bit. In the last, what, what do you say? Three or four weeks, Eric? We've yeah. Last, last month or so. Yeah. Really seen, uh, a jump. Yeah. Really seen a nice jump in, uh, subscribers and interactions via our social media and things like that. So we appreciate all of you for that. So we discussed Christmas get together annoyances, and mm-hmm. I think it's good that we need to go ahead and get a couple of these, some of these out of the way, because there's yeah, nothing it's a, worse. Than it's a natural showing. follow-up to last week's airing of grievances. Yes. And some things that maybe we didn't cover and didn't realize that we should have covered at that point. Post-Christmas get-together annoyances. Man, I've got a few that really just kind of bug me. And mm-hmm. so before we get into the football stuff, and we're going to, for the listeners here, we're going to, preview and look at best bets for Washington, Texas, and uh, Michigan, Alabama, uh, because betting on the rest of the bowl games is just risky business. So not something we're really, we we are personally willing to throw any major cash on. So, uh, you know, unless you want to take a flyer, go right ahead, but you know, don't, don't listen to us for bowl games, but uh, all right. So Eric, Let's talk about the post-Christmas annoyances, man. Let's get into okay. it. So give me your number one post or Christmas get-together pet peeve slash annoyance. Okay. I mean, I don't have a whole lot uh, because I'm old enough and I've been through enough Christmases with the sure. family to uh, kind of get ahead and prevent some of the things that would bug me, right? So any yeah. complaints I have about holidays are entirely self-inflicted. Um, I kind of <laughs> went along with this segment because you brought it up. I was like, okay, well, he's clearly got something on his mind, so I'm going to let him cook. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, I appreciate your candor in the matter. Thank you. Um, the The one thing that is not within my control, right, and is not annoying because I make it annoying myself Um is it's really not so much an annoyance as it is kind of like more of like a struggle for us and it's frustrating and that is just the the kids are getting older and they don't want to do the same type of things they wanted to do when all the families uh together you know like when they were 10 or 11 or 12 right so mm-hmm. we like we've always had a lot of uh family board game game night type things over the holidays when everyone w- was here and you know, 20 year old boys don't really want to do that shit anymore. Right. Um, so like our, our, our oldest was here. Uh, she brought her boyfriend. We met him. All, all that was great. But you know, we finished, uh, 
we did kind of two big holiday meals right Saturday and Sunday um, because her and him were going back Monday morning uh, on the 25th. But yeah, like once the food was gone and we started picking up, it was like, they're off. Like they're going to go do this or they're going to go play video games or, you know, and it, it's dicey making them say, Hey, no, come on, let's, you know, all spend some time together because, you know, a lot of, a lot of games, if you're not interested in it, you make it miserable for everyone else, right? Because it requires some sort of like, uh, you know, paying attention and some effort and you're just not into it. Then it just, you know, so that's kind of, that aspect of Christmas was not like it has been for, you know, the majority of my adult life. Correct. And it's just, it's just kids getting older. There's nothing I can do about it and I can't change it. Like, uh, anything other than that, any, any sort of inconvenience or annoyance is entirely self-inflicted because I am the way that I am. Mm -hmm. So, you know, like, uh, the meal is a big thing, Mm -hmm. right? And that would be the closest thing, I guess, to an annoyance is that my wife and I have different, very different approaches to that. Um, like, you know, obviously, right. And a lot of our listeners, uh, who know me outside of this know, and even some people who've listened for a while and have kind of gotten to read on, on what type of person I am. You're not gonna be surprised when I say I am a meticulous planner, uh, (laughs) borderline anal. Um, I, I, I don't like not being in control, uh, I guess is the easiest way to say it. So like, Hey, a holiday meal, right. When everyone's in town, I had all that stuff like itemized. Here's what we're having. Here's what I need to make all this stuff. Everything bought and in the pantry on like Wednesday, <laughs> because I don't want anything to do with going to the grocery store on December 23rd. No, absolutely. Um, Right. And conversely, my wife is a little more impromptu. And, you know, so Sunday morning, she's like, oh, I need to get stuff together because I'm going to make homemade stuff. <laughs> See, that that's why we get along, because I'm actually married to that person, the meticulous planner, and I'm mm. the one who doesn't plan. So that's why we get along on this podcast is because you do all the right. planning and yep. I just sort of show up and talk. But, yeah. Yeah. So like I had, I mean, I didn't do it this year, but like last year I had like a Gantt chart almost like a bar graph looking thing. Like, okay, we're eating it too. Right. So here's when I need to start this. Here's when I need to start that. And my God, uh, you know, so that is annoying to basically everyone around me. And that's entirely my fault, but I'm not, I don't like scrambling and having two thing, two of the five things done sitting there on the stove, getting cold while I'm, you know, rushing around trying to make, you know, uh, do the mashed potato or whatever. So not good. Yeah. No bueno there. Yeah. But yeah, game night was, was frustrating and not enjoyable at all. And that's just, I think it's just life. I don't, I don't see a solution. So really it's just me complaining. So mm. what are, what are your annoyances? Oh, I've man. been waiting for this for like three days. So, <laughs> well, I've got a handful of them. Um, now understand there's two parts to this. If there is going to be food served, then some of these are ac- applicable. But if there's no food being served, then, you know, it's not a big deal. So, assuming there's going to be food served at your okay. Christmas get-together, the first thing the first thing that I do not want to see, this is like, file, file this under the draft bust, the undraftable, I don't oh, yeah. want to see it, is the homemade cranberry sauce. I don't want to see that shit on the table. It's creepy it's disgusting like uh, what's that on top of it i don't know give me just the cranberry sauce that's right out of the fucking can that still the has sauce meat. or the jelly the the like, jelly stuff yeah, yeah the blob and slice it up and call yes. it good. yeah yeah that's what i want i don't want homemade cranberry sauce like in a fucking casserole dish right like, stewed and yeah yeah it's like oh god no i don't want to touch that so that's a big like no no for me i'm not eating that don't bring it Please, if you're coming to my house and you bring that, I'm going to like tell you to go home. (laughs) So, um, and then the, some of the standard, like goes without saying things. It's like political commentary. Don't bring up politics. It never ends well, especially if you've got multiple members of the family in and they all differ. This one's liberal. This one's conservative and Christmas turns into a giant shit show. It's never good. Uh, this one kind of ties in together. 
I don't want to arrive longer than 30 minutes before the food is being served. Because the other part of this is small talk. I don't like small talk. We're only together because it's Christmas. You don't give a shit what's going on with me the other 364 days of the year. Don't pretend like you care right now. Okay, so that's more like extended family, large get-togethers with people you don't ordinarily see. Yeah, which which other, I other than okay. Yeah, which I, I wasn't have. looking at it like that because I, I guess it's not how like my parents and my wife's parents both live so far away that it's right. just yeah, it's us and the kids. Yeah, and and to be fair, I mean, just our kids are plenty because there's five of them, and then you know you get a couple of plus ones, so it it yeah. feels extended pretty quick. But yeah, okay, now I now I understand where you're going. Yeah, and then the last couple that I had, uh, no sports on the television. <sighs> I don't give a shit if it's Christmas day, if there's football on, but just put it on in the background. So I don't have to pay attention to the two wives over here in the corner talking about shit. I don't care about. I can just kind of focus on the TV and enjoy it. It's a pet peeve to go to a Christmas get together and everybody's sitting around small talking and there's no sports on. And I'm just sitting there pretending to be interested. I don't like it. It's annoying. So, and then the last one, this was actually a suggestion from my wife, which is kind of funny. It's the bra- the braggadocious relative. It's like, you know, the you know the relative that's like, oh, well, we're applying. To, uh, we've got applications in at Yale and Harvard for our kid because they made a 4,000 on their SAT. You know, that kind of relative that nobody really believes what you're saying or gives a shit. It's just like, okay, great, dude. Yeah, your kid's smart. Thanks. Yeah, I guess I have two different approaches for that based on whether I don't care or whether I don't believe them because it's not always <laughs> the same thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, for sure. So that those are my major pet peeves. You know, like I said, the biggest one for me, no sports on TV. It's annoying. I don't know. I think there should be football on in the background, personally. Like Def- Defensible take. I can't argue with that. Yeah. So that's all the Christmas annoyances get together, pet peeves that I had. So real quick, before we dive into the playoff matchups, I did want to touch on a couple of things. Um, Early signing day Mm -hmm. concluded last week. Didn't really want to touch on that with uh, the award show and all that stuff that was going on. So uh, winners and losers and notable transfer signings. One of the biggest losers has got to be Florida. Yes. I mean, if you haven't been paying attention, <laughs> Florida has just been bleeding players in the portal, in the recruiting cycle. Beginning in November, they had the third ranked 2024 class and they ended up in the the low teens. Yeah. Like they've had a lot of guys that were sort of like the base of that class, right? Like a lot of four-star guys type dudes. Like I would be absolutely blown away if Napier makes it through next season. Yeah. It's, it's looking grim. Well, hopefully, um, here in the next couple of months, not anytime like real, real soon. But um, once once all the actual games are done, I think you know we've talked about this. I I think we're gonna we maybe have someone in mind to bring on and give us a little closer insight into what's going on in Gainesville because from where I'm sitting, not looking particularly great at the moment. No. And then another big loser that uh, man, I just. It's partially for me. Like we'll touch on Florida State in a minute because we're mm-hmm. gonna we'll talk more about them. They they definitely got hurt on signing day as well. But I didn't realize until signing day that Colorado only had three players committed to them. Like, yes, I know when signing day began. Yeah, yeah. I know we're trying to like build through the portal mostly and do what he's doing there, and they did sign. You know, or well. They did get a the number one tackle, you know, out of mm-hmm. uh, IMG Academy to commit to him. But outside of him, nobody of any real consequence. And we're still trying to build through the portal. It's like, tell me you're leaving after this season without telling me you're yeah. leaving after this season. Yeah, I don't. 
you know, we, we've kind of, we've talked a ton about this, obviously, right? As high school versus the portal. I think we've all kind of agreed that, you know, get hitting the portal hard when you're new on the job is vital because that allows you to flip what is likely a bad roster, right? That's why you're there. The previous guy got fired because they were shitty. Um, and, and so you don't have like the three year rebuild, like we've talked about with like Matt rule at Baylor, right? Where sure. you, you don't have to be one in 11 and you're one now. Um, but recruiting almost exclusively through the portal on a year to year basis, vice a strong high school recruiting base, and then filling spots, right? Like a guy like Kiffin or Mike Norvell have done, um, you know, it's not the same thing. And I don't know of anyone who's been successful with even in the, the relatively short portal era that we're in. This is like the sixth year of the thing. Um, consistently going through almost entirely the portal on a year to year basis and, and been able to sustain that. Yeah, I don't think it's doable. So I, I think he's gone after this year. Like, and I mean, bad as I hate to say it for like Colorado, like they've gotten a lot of notoriety under him and they've become more popular and a lot of people follow him and this, that, and the other, but man, when he leaves, they're going to go right back in the damn dumpster. I just um, impossibly. I mean, what basically because he's just going to leave nothing there. He's not going to leave anything behind. Well, he might, it depends on what they do with the transfer rules, right? If they end up uh, shit canning the the one transfer maximum and the waiver process and all that and, and give these guys sort of the college version of free agency where they can go here, 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 here multiple times, no sitting yeah, which, out, then, then they're which, in trouble. But yeah, which, if, which they can currently because of that temporary injunction that is on there. Right. And, and if that, that if that stays going away, then Colorado's in deep shit when he leaves. Yeah. Um, yeah. if the rule is still in place and there's guys who can't transfer because they already transferred once and they have to graduate first before they can transfer again, the cupboard might not be left as bare for the next guy, but my, my guess is the transfer rule will change. And yeah. the second he's gone, that entire roster goes with him. Yeah. It's not going to be good. <laughs> who were a couple of your winners or losers? Did you have anybody of note that you wanted to discuss? The, uh, well, Let's talk about winners. Um, one clear winner, Nebraska, I think, getting the number one or number two quarterback, uh, depending on what recruiting service you're looking at, to yeah. flip from Georgia, of all places. Uh, and I get the family tie-in. I understand all that. But you know, you're still getting a, a five-star quarterback who is committed to Georgia uh, to flip to you. That is That is not a small deal. And, you know, they, they got in some speed in the, the secondary and receiver positions. They're, you know, it, it looks like Matt Rule is really starting to form that roster, kind of like Greg talked about when he came on where he's going to prioritize speed and athleticism yeah. over, you know, oh, well, this guy, you know, eats nails for breakfast and shit's thunder. You know, <laughs> tough guy, you know, he's going to get get a track team out there and, mm -hmm. and run around some people. Um, and then the other one I think is Georgia who despite losing that quarterback still ended up with a pretty clear number one class um, yeah. noticeable gap between them and number two. Part of that is they flipped a guy from Florida state at the last minute, like you had alluded to, but um, you know, to lose a guy like they lost and they, I think they had another flip. They just, you know, same old story. Uh, rich get richer. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree. I would agree. That's uh, even without Dylan Raul, you still pull in the number one class. It's uh pretty impressive but and I, I wonder how much Carson Beck coming back sort of late you know weighed on that decision I don't know you know I, I feel to, like Raul probably wants stumped, to, didn't it? yeah probably wants to play day one and if Carson Beck's there he's not going to play day one sorry <laughs> well he may not want to play day but he may want to you know at least have a chance feel like he's got a chance to to compete and an, kind of an equal shot to earn the job. I gotta um, be honest, man. I'm, I don't know what's happening at Ohio state. Why it seems to be sort of trending downward in the quarterback department. Like they've had this huge long run of quarterbacks yeah. who've been super uber talented, you know? Yeah. That's just, weird. The whole thing's Justin, weird. Justin Fields to CJ Stroud. 
before Fields. I mean, it, yeah. you go back and back. Haskins, Haskins yeah. threw fifty touchdowns. Yeah, I so. mean, it, it's and then you go to we end up with Kyle McCord this year, and they've got Dylan Raul committed to him, and like you can't get that guy. And I, as a quarterback who obviously has likely NFL aspirations, w- wanting to go to Nebraska over a school like Ohio State, who, if you didn't know, committed a couple of more five-star wide receivers to him. I don't know, man. I just – I, I kind of wonder who he's going to have to throw to at Nebraska. And even if I know, it's not going to be as good as what he would have to throw to at Ohio State. I don't know. It just – I feel like there had to be some – some NIL involved there. Like they must've paid big money to get him. That's the yeah, only thing I, I can think of. I just assume there's, you know, if you, if you have five stars next to your name, I, I think NIL is a big part of your decision, no matter where you land. Yeah. That's probably that's true. Nebraska, USC, Georgia, whatever. Yeah. And then notable transfer signings. I, I mean, a couple of the guys that came from Texas A&M, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Ole Miss getting the big D lineman. I'm yep. drawing a, Drawing a blank no, on his Nolan. Name. Yeah, uh, Walter, yeah, Walter Nolan. Nolan. Yeah. That's huge. I mean, we've already that, talked about Ole Miss next year yeah. with the favorable schedule, and they get a they big do have guy a favorable like schedule. That. They've been loading up. Um, I'm trying to remember where the other guy went. Overton. Um, he went to Bama. Okay, that's what it was. Yeah, he went to Bama. So, a couple of uh, former five star recruits from A and M commit to other teams in the SEC. Um, one notable transfer who has not yet signed that we kind of discussed offline a little bit was KJ Jefferson. You know, yep. they're, they're, they're kind of predicting maybe he goes and plays with the Gus bus at UCF. That would be fun to watch. That would be a <laughs> lot of fun, man. That guy, he would have like 7,000 yards of offense for them. It would be stupid. Like Gus would just be over there on the sideline, like run it again, run it again. Yeah. It'd be, yeah, say, make him stop it. Same oh, yeah. thing. It'd be Let's awesome. not overthink this. Yeah, I hope that I hope it happens. Honestly, I'd like to see him with a quarterback, you know, that can actually sling the ball in addition to being able to run it, like John Reese Pumley. So, right, who can't who can't throw? Uh, all right. So, discussing the other loser, and uh, a very poor loser, if I do say so myself, based on recent activity, Florida State. Also lost several crucial players uh, on signing day to other schools like Georgia, Florida. Some, you know, a lot of players flipped. A couple of went to Bama. On top of all that, they sued the ACC and challenged a grant of rights. Yep. Well, I mean, if I was them, I would want out too, but. Of course. I I don't think they're going to get out. I don't. I don't know. I. All I know about the grant of rights and how that works is strictly what I've, you know, read just like everyone else, right? We don't have some sort of magic insight. My understanding is it's fairly ironclad unless the conference dissolves. Um, Yeah. Which is why I think they added those. Yeah. Nine of the 16 have to. Right. Have to to vote. Yeah. And I think that's partly why they added. Um, you know, Cal and Stanford and SMU is okay. Well, now you need two more guys who want out, not just, yeah. You know, cause there were some reports in the fall, like, Hey, these, these schools would vote. Yes. If it were to, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and it, it was close to 50, 50, it was, it was almost like, you know, if you follow anything with Washington politics, like, Oh, well, there's yet two fence sitters out there and they could swing the whole thing one way or the other. And, oh, they, yeah. you know, the ACC was somewhat proactive in that. And then, okay, well, now you need a majority of a bigger number. Um, and in addition, we're going to file a lawsuit against you before you sue us uh, trying to get dibs on location would be my guess. Uh, yeah. That's the most, the, the the theory that I've read behind that that makes the most sense to me as a non-attorney, but, um, you know, jurisdictional issue type stuff. So I it's one of those things like it doesn't, doesn't feel like we need to spend a ton of time talking about it. Cause I don't think it's going to be resolved for like two years anyway. Yeah. The, the absolute earliest that they would be out of that conference would be in my opinion, like for the 2026 season. And yeah. And even I just, that's a stretch for me. I think yeah. the only way they go before that is, is if ESPN decides, Hey, 
because they have the contract with both leagues says, Hey, we want these guys in the SEC. And I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think that's the case. No, so I don't think I don't it think it comes down uh, to Fox telling them, you know, tell, Hey, right. It, we'll foot the bill, right? Yeah. Fox, Fox is willing to foot the bill because we want Florida state. We want our TV footprint in Florida. And that's right, worth for the more, that's worth more to us than the, settled number of 130 million or whatever it may be, you know, because yeah. the, the 572 million, that's ridiculous. They would settle at a much lower number than that. Problem is, is that even if you like cut that number in half, it's more than Florida state's entire athletic budget by like a hundred million. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I, I don't, and then them. it's not like a TV contract, right? Where that money comes in over every year over a set period. It's a, yeah. hey, here's the number. Right. Yeah. And you're not leaving until we have it. You don't, there's no layaway for this stuff. Right. There's no like payment. It's not, oh, well, this is spread out over six years. Like, no, it's. Yeah. I think it would be some sort of settlement, but ESPN has no incentive to, to budge on the contract. No, I mean, they, well, they don't because they already have the TV rights for Florida state games. Yeah. I mean, they wanted I mean, like, the I ACC. Think they, they care right. what and, conference they're in. Well, they wanted the ACC network, and the only way they were going to get it is if they signed that fucking horrible deal with ESPN, and ESPN's like, all right, stupid, there you go. Thanks for agreeing to it. Nice job. Yeah. You saved us a shit ton of money. And yeah, so, like the Pac-12. Oh, we, we need our own network. Why? Yeah. Why? Because no one's fucking watching it. So you can, do, so you can I, broadcast your fifth best game of that week? Like, yeah, have you ever? I'm, I'm one of the 12 people in America who has a CDC network because it just okay. happens to come with my cable package that I have through Xfinity and no free advertising. They suck, but I watched maybe one and a half football games on ACC network in the last two seasons. And I never watch it unless there's a game on. So I, I don't, I don't, I would be, I think if I had ACC network, I would be more likely to, watch like pregame post type game type programming than mm -hmm. an actual game right like <laughs> instead of yeah you uh, don't want to watch georgia tech and boston you know, yeah like uva and bc like uh, no get in the studio and and have these guys let me listen to these guys talk more in depth about you know why virginia tech has better been better on defense in the second half or something like yeah. that i would i feel like me personally i would get more out of that than watching to thoroughly aggressively mediocre teams playing <laughs> mediocre football. Um, yeah. Facts. I don't know. I just don't see Florida state getting out of it anytime soon. It's going to be no. a nasty lawsuit and uh, you know, this is their own fault, man. I don't feel the slightest bit bad for them, whether it's being left out of the playoffs or anything like you guys are bitching hardcore and they're you, what pisses me off is like they're using being left out of the playoffs as like a reason for why they're doing this. It's like, shut the fuck up. You're an idiot. You're only doing it because the SEC and the Big Ten make double the amount of money. Right, because your conference sucks. Like your yeah. conference leadership that signed that god-awful contract sucks. I would want out too. Um, yeah, so the politicians that are fucking moral grandstanding. Well, that's, that's a whole different deal. And they're, oh, well, Florida State shouldn't have been left out and whatever. That's not why this lawsuit is happening. They right. want out because they want that $100 million a year that they would get in the Big Ten or wherever. And Well, I mean, but if you're Florida State and you see, you know, you're watching Indiana raking all this money because they're, you know, they play football in that same conference and they go three and nine every year, like I'd be annoyed too. Like, man, why is Indiana getting you know ninety million dollars a year or whatever? So uh, yeah. It, weird time to be a Seminoles fan. Yeah, indeed. It's not pretty. Is my internet okay? Seems like it's screwing up a little bit. You you froze there for a second. You're blurry. Oh, okay. Well shout out of Xfinity. But uh. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, exactly. No free advertising because they suck balls. But no, my my internet is actually with AT and T. That's even worse. Oh. So, yeah, okay. it's been well, they both suck. Yeah, they both suck for real. Uh, okay, so off of the butthurt Florida State, which uh, Timmy did say he was yep. going to finally ship a crate down there after yep. Virginia Tech just dominated yesterday in the bowl game. Said he was going to finally ship a extra large shipment to Tallahassee. So. Good for them getting some TP's butthurt cream to soothe their butthurtness. Uh, 
All right, let's talk playoffs, man. Let's okay. do it. Let's start with Texas and Washington. Give me your general. I'm going to look up the lines while you're giving me a general overview of your thoughts here. Okay, it's it's Texas minus four and a half, and yeah. the over under last I looked was sixty three and a half, maybe sixty two and a half. Yeah, something along those lines. I'm about to pull it up right here. Uh, sixty six. Nope, I take that back. Wrong one. Sixty two and a half. Yep. Okay. So, um, Texas minus four and a half. Over under sixty two and a half. Money line would be plus one fifty two on Washington. Boy, that's tempting. Um, it is tempting, isn't it? You know, I I get up in the morning and I put on shorts and a t-shirt. Kalen DeBoer gets up in the morning and he beats ranked teams. Yeah, uh, that's that's the difference between he and I. He's uh, I think nine and zero against ranked teams at Washington. Something like um, that. I get that. You know, not all nine of those teams or ten of those teams or however many beat are probably as good as Texas is. But uh, I mean, the guys, the guy just wins and it's, you know, they're not some scrappy underdog. Um, I mean, they're, they're a good team. So the, the plus 150 wouldn't hate that. Um, I think it's going to come down to can Washington's defensive front get to the quarterback and keep the run game under control. You know, I, I know I know Brooks is out, but Texas is a place that never struggles to find guys who can run the football. Uh, yeah, welcome, welcome to the show, CJ Baxter. Guy, yeah, freak of nature. So yeah, so I I'm kind of torn whether I would take the points with Washington or just take the money line because I think the value is there. But I also like the over. Uh, you got you got two offenses that can really move the ball and a couple of pass defenses that are not fantastic. So you're telling me, you know, 34, 31 isn't possible. Yeah, it is. I think both these teams could get into the thirties. So, uh, and Washington has run the ball. Well, um, the last month or so they've run it better. I don't think they're going to be real successful running the ball against Texas's front with sweat and those guys. But, um, you know, if they can work some play action in and at least present the threat of a run and open up a couple of shots down the field, that would help. But there's not a whole lot of teams that are equipped to, and, and this actually goes both ways. This isn't just a, a Washington thing. There's not a whole lot of teams that are really equipped to cover that many good receivers on the field at one time. <laughs> no. Very so. Few. They're going to have a matchup that they like somewhere on the field every play. Uh, it's just a matter of finding it and executing it. So, um, which since he seems to have been better, because uh, we both thought he was probably hurt for a bit there and just mm-hmm. didn't say it. Um, you know, uh, their last game three weeks ago, uh, Penix looked like Penix. Kind of the uh, same thing for both because, you know, Quinn Ewers got hurt right. and missed some time and looked sort of bad when he did come back. And then he just sort of got it together there at the end and really poured it on. So, yeah. Sort of the and same, same I mean, if, if Ewers plays like he did against Oklahoma State or Alabama, it almost doesn't matter what Washington does. Uh, Texas is going to win, but those are kind of compared to the rest of the season, not really outliers, but those are his two best games. Um, I think anytime you have a quarterback, if you say, yeah, he's going to play his best game of the season, sure, you would pick them. Not always a given. So uh, I would definitely like the over on that one. I'm not sure, again, if I would take the points or the money line. I, I think that's a pretty good value on the money line for a team that just wins games. Um, you know, Certainly as many as they have in the last two years. Hmm. Yeah. For me, there's a couple of things here. Texas is secondary. Like, I would pick Texas in this game. I would, if you're talking Washington picks, I probably wouldn't take them on the money line. I would take the points with Washington if you're going to give me four or four and a half. Uh, Definitely, if you're going to give me four and a half, I would be more apt to take that than a money line. Uh, Because I think Washington can keep it close. They can score. Two main concerns for me. can Washington run the ball at all? I, I don't know that they're going to be able to. Texas's front seven is just it's it's stupid good, man. And they yeah, they're, they they play like, they play like it's a front nine. 
Like yeah. that's that's you know that that's what it looks like. It would feel like to to be an offensive lineman playing them is like. And and I don't want to like completely poo poo Washington because they looked like the more physical team against Oregon uh, in yeah. that in that conference championship, which surprised me. But I think when you're dealing with Texas's front seven, that's a different animal, man. Like the, those guys, yeah, they do- they dominated Alabama's offensive line in week two, and Alabama, while they matured over the season, it's still the same people. Okay, and they bullied Alabama up front on both sides of the ball for the majority of the game. So, I mean, that's why they beat them by you know double digits. So, point, yeah. uh, it, that that's the biggest concern for me. I just don't know that Washington can win the battle consistently in the trenches. Even though you will have Polk and Adunze out there making plays and doing what they got to do, I just if Texas starts getting home with Penix, I feel like Washington could be in trouble pretty quick. Um, and then yeah. on the and then on the other side of it, for the Texas concerns, you've got to protect yours because Washington does have some dudes on the defensive line that can go and get there. Mm-hmm. And so if he starts getting hit, gets hurt, you know, because he is injury prone a little bit. And if something were to happen to him, they're in deep shit, you know, and you've you've got that concern. And then, like I said, the secondary, can they stop? Because Penix can spin it, dude. He can spin it. And if he gets any kind of time, so those two things kind of play together. Like if Texas's D-line can get pressure on that guy, then I don't think they'll have any problem. But if they can't, he just is allowed to stand back there and do whatever he'll eventually pick you apart no matter who he's playing against. So, yeah, I, I think if Washington can run the ball effectively at all, it's a done deal. Yeah. Right? Cause that sort of changes everything. And, and it's entirely possible. They can for all the attention that Penix and Adunze and, uh, you know, Polk and McMillan get like their offensive <laughs> yeah. line won the Joe Moore award. Yeah. Like if we haven't, like their offensive yeah. line is not some slouch unit. Like the, those yeah, dudes are big and pretty mean. Uh, yeah, if this is your first time listening to the show, go back and listen to the, some of the stats we named off of Dylan Johnson. <laughs> Dude's been going off in case no one has noticed. So Yeah, so I, I think Washington can handle business up front. I think they're probably more concerned with pass pressure than you know racking up 200 yards on the ground. But if yeah. they can if they can get three, four, five-yard chunks and avoid those negative plays in the run game and – have that be part of their game plan throughout the game. They're yeah. in really, really good shape. All right. So let's, let's do it. Let's lay some money on it. Uh, for the, for argument's sake, we'll, uh, don't know if you're actually going to throw some cash down on it, but hypothetically speaking, what would you throw some money on if you were going to throw it down? Um, I am on over 62 and a half. Mm, okay. And, I was kind of torn. I think I will take the points with Washington. Vice the money line. All right. Let's go. I love it. Well, I. But I, but I would tell listeners, if, if you are confident that Washington can run the ball when they need to, then take the money line. Because uh, if they can run the ball, they're going to win the game. Mm. Man, that's interesting. I'm actually going to go against you on both of those picks. I'm going to fight okay. you on both of them. I'm going to take the under. 62 and a half. I don't think Washington will be able to score because I think Texas's front is good enough to play just a four man front and drop seven into coverage every play. And I think they can get home with four. I just, I don't think they really need more up front than that to get through Washington's offensive line. Cause yeah, they won the Joe Moore award. They also struggle with teams like Arizona. Mm-hmm. You know, they also struggled to run the ball for the entire first half of the season. Well, so. the offensive line didn't struggle against Arizona. <laughs> well, I mean, it's arguable. I don't know. Penix not being healthy, whatever. Like, why wasn't he healthy? Was he banged up? Because why? Getting hit a little bit. So, yeah, I, I, think, he got, I think he got drilled that one time in the end of the Oregon game. Yeah. So. I don't know, man. I just Texas's D line is ferocious and nasty, and I think that's going to be the difference in the game. So mm. I'm going to take the under, and I'm going to lay the points with Texas. I can get them at minus four, so I'm going to take them at minus the four, and I'm going to take the under sixty-two and a half. Okay. 
So it is written, so it shall be done. Indeed. All right. So let's move on to the Rose Bowl here. Inexplicably, I, I'm taking. I don't have homework glasses on here. Okay. I, w- I watch a lot of football, and I'm going to approach this as if like Georgia were in the game. Okay. You just saw Alabama beat Georgia. Okay. But we'll say for the sake of argument, Georgia was playing Michigan. After seeing what you just saw in Alabama, Georgia, would Georgia be an underdog against Michigan? I don't think they would. I mean, that's not. I don't think they would. And Alabama just beat them. I don't think Georgia would be an underdog against anyone, right? Because betting models don't really approach it like that with a single game meaning more or less than any other game against anyone else. But I get what you're saying. Um, So I guess what I'm trying to say is the entering argument is Georgia and Alabama are similar enough that the current line leads you to believe that Michigan would be favored over Georgia. Right. Fair. And I, no, I don't think that I don't personally don't think it should be the case in either team, but um, nobody asked me until right now. I, I don't get it. And uh, for the record, I've put various polls up on uh, some of our social media uh, via YouTube, TikTok. Go vote on those if you like. Uh, you know, just who you got, Alabama or Michigan. No no betting, no spread, just who wins. And currently about, let me see, I had it. Currently 81% of people who have voted say Alabama will win and a lot of our followers they're not alabama fans i mean these are just random ass people on tiktok that follow us so you know a few hundred voters in the first 24 hours and over 80 percent are on bama and i'm seeing the same thing man like i don't understand why michigan is favored here i i don't i mean i'll break it down michigan's favored by one and a half the total is 44 and a half. If you wanted to take Bama on the money line, you would get them at plus 108. <sighs> I got to say, Vegas must know something I don't. That's all. Yeah, thing that's the weird say. part. Everything you kind of just described was like, well, you know, it's not just people who follow this show on TikTok. Like, it's everybody. Like, look at, let me, how much of the money and how what percentage of bets are on Alabama? Uh, 74% of the bets in Vegas right now are going to Bama, 59% of the money. Right. But the line, despite that, the line still has not moved. Yeah, it's moved back and forth. It got down to a half at one point, which I took it at. I took it at Bama plus a half, like, you know, whatever, a few days after it opened. Mm Mm-hmm kind of swung towards Bama's direction a little bit, but it never crossed over to them being favored or a pick Right, They've stayed consistently an underdog. So like I say, Vegas just must be seeing something I'm not because I just don't have any confidence in Michigan to be able to throw the ball at all. And no. I, I'm sorry, but <laughs> like, I don't think Alabama's a team that you can line up and just run it 40 times or 50 times against and win. Like, I, I don't see that happening. I mean, maybe because I mean, Auburn, like Auburn gave Alabama a lot of problems and they ran the ball, whatever it was, 45. Auburn, Auburn had a Auburn had success in the run game when they used some misdirection and a lot of mm-hmm. pullers. Yeah. Um, looking at the Auburn game and saying, okay, well, this is reason to think that Michigan can is going to, you know, go out and run for 200 yards on these guys, I think is a mistake mm-hmm. because you look at, you know, it turns out, Alabama season encompasses more than just the Auburn game, right? So you look at uh, Quinshawn Jugton's 13 carries, 56 yards. Uh, Logan Diggs, LSU, 8 carries, 24 yards. Ray Davis, Kentucky, great back, 12 carries, 26 yards. Uh, Dejan Edwards and Kendall Milton for Georgia in the SEC championship game combined for 23 carries and 80 yards. Yeah. Jonathan Brooks in that that week two game or week three or whenever that was. Mm-hmm. Um 14 carries, 57 yards. He got hurt. I know he's not playing, but he still had 1,100 yards on the year. Yeah. So the the idea that, oh, we can run all over Alabama just because Auburn did in a very specific way that they that Michigan might not be able to do or replicate based on what they do well and what they don't, I think is 
misleading because you've got the majority of the season where they're just not giving up a ton on the ground. Tennessee, same thing. They give their two backs uh, small and right, I think, combined for like 90 yards. There's just not a lot there. Um, yeah, not to mention that Hugh Freeze could light up a scoreboard with 11 Chinamen on the field. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? it, it's, I mean, you know, we've talked, we've said it a hundred times, right? Rivalry game, throw everything you think you know out the window, right? It yeah. doesn't. Sure. It doesn't mean nothing, but it doesn't mean everything either, right? It, it's so key you know, matchups. What like part, what are some of the what are the key matchups that you see in this game? Like Jalen Milrow versus turnovers. That's it. It. To, I'm to me, this game boils down to one thing, mm-hmm. right? Jalen Milrow just takes what's there. Uh, no unnecessary risks. I mean, he's still going to take shots down the field, but if he just avoids the big critical mistake, Alabama will win the football game. I mean, it's just that simple. He just, okay, you know, don't try to to make the 30-yard play if they're going to give you seven. Take mm-hmm. seven, right, and go to the next play. Uh, he goes out there and turns the ball over three times. They're in deep shit. But if he takes care of the football, takes what's there, stays patient, takes you know, picks his shots a little bit. Um, I, I you know, because you look at Michigan, I don't know how Michigan's going to score. Honestly, like part of the reason that Alabama, that's my that's my whole thing. I mean, I, I completely agree with you on the turnover aspect with Milrow. He's got to take care of the football. That goes for anybody in a big game. But the question mark for me is Michigan. Like, how the fuck are they going to score? I, I don't. Yeah, I don't know. Like, and like part of the reason all those rushing numbers I just read off is because Alabama's secondary is so good, right? And that sounds counterintuitive, but if you don't need to drop seven or eight, then you can load up the front, right? The defensive line is not looked at as Alabama's strength this season compared to years past. Sure. Um, but if you can have eight guys in the box or seven guys in the box because your your secondary is good enough to go one-on-one across the board with guys like Arnold and McKinstry, which they are. They absolutely are. Yeah. And then that's then you can defend the run well. So Michigan's going to have to figure out something in the passing game or they have no shot. See, and I wonder, like if you look at just statistical categories, like Michigan dominates – if you just lined up both teams, sure, and national at, ranking, right? And like looked at national, sure, yeah, and looked at national rankings. Statistically, Michigan dominates most of those, and mm-hmm. you know, I, I highlighted this on Twitter, and I got roasted for it. It's like Michigan has played exactly one offense this season that's ranked in the top thirty-one offenses. Ohio State being thirty-second in total offense, Penn State only team that they played in the top thirty on offense and we know about Penn State's offense. They tank whenever they play a good defense. So I just I look at Michigan and I'm going like you guys have not played anyone that knows how to score. And so I look at Alabama and they've played five top thirty offenses, including LSU as the number one offense in the country. Mm-hmm. And they so knocked out their well, quarterback. So, uh, so LSU, probably Ole Miss, Tennessee, Georgia. Old- Yep, Ole Miss, Tennessee, Georgia, LSU, and there was one other one. I can't remember who it was, uh, whether it was Kentucky or I can't remember. Um, Oh, Texas. Texas, yeah, there you go. So uh, they've played five uh, in the top 30. And somebody's like, oh, well, join us in the 21st century of looking at offensive statistics. I'm like, well, what more do you need to know than like total offense and yards per play? Like – if they're not putting up a decent amount of yards per play, well, then they're not very good. <laughs> like, I don't care who they're playing against. It doesn't matter. If you break it down to a per-play basis, it's like, well, eh, if you're only gaining four yards a play and this other team's gaining seven, well. They're, right, they're then prob- you're going to have to rely on turnovers and penalties yeah. and stuff like that, right? Mm-hmm. It's sort of out of your hands. So Yeah, and so I, I look at it like, man, I just don't, I, I don't see it. I don't see a way outside of just a collapse for Alabama, like you talked about with turnovers and just penalties not going their way, crazy shit happening, a pick six right out of the gate, something along those lines. 
I just don't see a way Michigan can beat them. I, I don't see it. I know a lot of Michigan fans and Big Ten fans, you can hate on me or whatever for saying that, but I just don't think Michigan can bully them up front. I don't see it. Like, I just watched Alabama dominate Georgia on both lines of scrimmage. In my humble opinion, Georgia's lines of scrimmage are far superior to Michigan's. So, I don't see it. Yeah, I, I mean, it's going to come down to Michigan's approach, right? Because two years ago they got into the playoff and they thought they were going to, you know, manhandle Georgia up front, and they got worked, smashed to bits. Um, yes, and I think if they come in thinking they're the, you know, the big bad bully who has run roughshod through the Big Ten, and they're going to do the same thing to Alabama's front. It might be a long evening. Um, I I just yeah. don't know. Well, I'll put it to you this way. Alabama has won their last six semifinal games by an average margin of victory of about 21 points. Yeah, if I was going against a Nick Saban team and he had three weeks to prepare, uh, I I would feel like I have my hands full. I don't know how much confidence I would have. Well, you you look at the teams who have beaten them, okay, in the last, say, 10 years. Alabama. Okay. If you look at the teams who have beaten Alabama in the last decade, the overarching theme of all those teams is they have one elite receivers and two, a quarterback that can make some shit happen with his feet. Mm-hmm. That's which, which that's, McCarthy can, he can make those things, but they don't have elite receivers. I'm sorry. They don't. Right. Their tight end is a good player, but their receivers are average Joe. Yeah. They have, they have good receivers, but they don't have, Xavier Worthy or Brock Bowers or that that assembly line of aliens that came through Clemson five years ago. <laughs> yeah. Or they, they, don't, yeah. they don't have those guys. No, they don't. And so I just – I feel like J.J. McCarthy is an, a good quarterback on an average offense. I don't know. I mean, unless they mix some stuff up and I see some stuff that I haven't seen all year, I don't know. I think Michigan's in for a long night, man. So – I I personally, I took Bama plus the points. I felt like it was an easy bet for me to make, but just because I think they're way better on both lines of scrimmage. And I would think you probably agree there. I would. I was writing. I'm sorry. I nodded, but I, I didn't say anything. Yeah. All right. So I suppose – for those purposes, I mean, rather than take them, I, I would just go ahead and take the money line at plus 108, you know? I mean, <laughs> take them both, whatever, like just to hedge against myself. I don't know. Like, I, I'd be blown away if Michigan can beat them. I really would. I, I just, I don't see it. Not with, like you say, a month to prepare. I, I just, I don't see it. I don't think Michigan's dynamic enough to beat them, period. So, Right. I'm going to join you on that money line because I was oh, much yes. like much like the other semifinal game. I was kind of waffling right between spread and money line. I knew it was going to be Alabama either way, not the underdog. But I was like, well, oh. you know, one and a half. I don't. It's basically, do you think they win or not? <laughs> More, it's it's close enough to just pick them. Mm-hmm. That fine, I'll take the plus one hundred eight instead of the minus one hundred five or minus one ten to get that point. That you know, if they lose, I, I kind of feel like if Alabama loses, it mm-hmm. it won't be by one. The, the one of the it, big it, questions I had was if Alabama were to win, which I think both of us expect that to happen. Mm-hmm. What do you think the spread would be? Difference wise, what do you think the spread would be versus Texas and versus Washington? If it, if it's Washington, I would think it's more than a touchdown. Yeah, I think you're probably looking at something like four and a half, eight and a half, or four and a half, nine and a half, mm-hmm. five and a half, nine and a half, somewhere in there. I think yeah. it's probably four or five points, much like yeah. their line is. Yeah. Yeah. But I yeah, think I think it's it would, more, more it would be more than a touchdown against. Washington. I'm fairly confident of that. Yeah, I agree. Man. How much more, and then how much more compared to a Texas line? I don't know. Yeah. I, I mean, I wouldn't like Texas. 
Like if I was going to handicap that game, like I would put Bama at like minus three and a half. You know, like yeah, three it wouldn't be a it wouldn't be a ton. No, like I think it's like a field goal game. Honestly, I think Texas is that good, and I think Milrow is just a problem. <laughs> so yeah, I love the the Harbaugh comments of uh, he's like a polished. He's he's our backup quarterback, but he's more polished. I'm like. Maybe not yeah, a wise thing to a say. More, a more polished version of, and I, I, I think I get what he was trying to say, but as he often does, he worded it in such a weird, clumsy way <laughs> that it really came off like a shot. <laughs> like, a, um, like you don't think Milrow's going to hear that comment and be like, "Oh, I'm your backup, but I'm a little more polished." Okay, motherfucker. All right. Yeah, I don't. Harbaugh, man, what are you going to do? <sighs> I don't know. Yeah, they, they need to like Michigan needs to figure out a way for just to take the microphone away from that. Guy. Right. Right. Like, you know how Auburn did with Hugh Freeze's phone and Twitter yeah. account? Like, yeah. Remove you know, or, or a lot of head coaches. We've run into this, right? Trying to get guests. A lot of head coaches simply don't let their assistants do any sort of media. Um, maybe they just do that. Look, like, hey, you, you know, Jesse Minter, Sharon Moore, you guys go talk to you. Get get away from the microphones. Like, well, don't send Sharon more because he might drop a, an f bomb on national TV. You know, yeah, he might. <laughs> I guess true. <laughs> they they just need to stop doing media. Period. Yeah, just maybe. show up. Just show up and play, man. That's yeah. It. Go go Belichick style and just like total blackout. Like, yes, like that's what they should do. Honestly, we're, we're on to Pasadena. We're on to Pasadena. Be, we're on to yeah. Pasadena. <laughs> <laughs> I would be more of a fan of that approach if they were just yeah. like, well. We're going to do what's best for the team. Right. And, then, and so when I say, like, I think it, it was just he sort of misspoke and didn't, like, mean anything malicious by it. Uh, you know, to be fair, right, the flip side of that is that is still something that you can easily avoid when you oh, yeah. are speaking in public. Like, No doubt. I mean, that's bulletin you know, board material for the coaches for Alabama. They're like, they think you're the like, backup. Not <laughs> Right. There's no law that says every thought that comes into your head needs to also come out your mouth. Like. Yeah. It, you're allowed to keep some stuff in the tank, Jim. Yeah, I, I don't know, man. I thought that was a little bit uh, interesting. Yeah. Oh, hey, we never. Wh- what do you think about the total in that game? Oh, 44 and a half. I would lean to the over because I think Alabama will get well into the 30s. Mm. And I think Michigan can do enough offensively to probably score 14 or more. You know, I think like. I think that Michigan, like if I was going to, and that's actually, I need to look at this to see if I can. uh, Okay, so Alabama's point total is 21 and a half. Michigan's is 23 and a half. I would absolutely take the over on the team total for Bama at 21 and a half. No chance they hold them to 21. I I don't see that. I mean, unless they just. Unless turnovers, right? uh, Right. That's it. And on top of that, unless Michigan just runs the clock down every play <laughs> like they just eat clock the entire game so which yeah, could be part of their strategy but i would take the under on that team total of 23 and a half but on that total of 44 and a half i think if alabama can get to 30 points it's an over so i would lean to the over 44 and a half but not enough for me to just take it take it on faith because i'd like I said, I don't have much faith in Michigan to do much because they – we talked about Alabama turning the ball over. They're in way more deep shit if they turn the ball over. Yes. Like if, if J.J. McCarthy goes out and throws a pick like he did in the TCU game last year where he goes out and throws two pick sixes, it'll be 45-7. to seven. Like it'll be a mm-hmm. blowout. It yeah. won't be – Yeah, they won't be within a touchdown like they were against TCU. No, not even close. So they're playing a different animal this year. So yeah, I would so I, I bring it over. up because I was looking at that that Michigan team total, and I just don't see them getting to twenty four points with that. No, game. I don't either. So I'm gonna, in addition to Alabama money line, uh, I'm gonna take Michigan under twenty three and a half. Okay, yeah, I, I'm gonna join you on that, and I will take the over on the over twenty one and a half. I, I will, I will take that as well. So we'll see how that goes. And uh, I guess we should have noted it while we were discussing it earlier. 
the team totals for Texas and Washington, 34 and a half and 28 and a half, respectively. Ooh. 34 and a half seems like a lot, but I don't think so. I don't know. I feel like those are better scores. Like those seem more realistic to me. Maybe. And 28 and a half for Washington still seems low. I get that Texas is an excellent defensive team. Um, yeah. But uh, I don't know. I, I didn't look too closely at those mm-hmm. just because of, of how I think the Alabama-Michigan game will go and what I see the strengths and weaknesses are. I did look at that be like because I concluded, I was like, is Michigan going to be able to score on these guys? Because J.J. McCarthy has not exactly been setting the world on fire for the last month, and if it comes down to they have to run the ball all game effectively, consistently, I still don't know that I see them scoring a bunch of points. So the 23 and a half jumped out of me is why I brought it up. Yeah. Well, I'll join you on that and I'll take the over on the 21 and a half for Bama. Uh, okay. Anything else we want to touch on before we get off here? Uh, I don't think so. Like not even the new year six bowls are really uh, so worth many, talking about. Cause yeah, you got, there's so, there's so many players out for these teams that it's like you're, you're going to be watching a shell of a roster. I mean, between Georgia and Florida State, there's like over 40 players that normally yeah. start that are going to be out. Yeah, so. and I, I knew that that game would end up being meaningless because of opt-outs, but I really didn't think it would be even that many players. Like, it's a shit ton. Um, yeah. It's going to be the backups versus like the some of the backups and the third stringers. I mean, yeah, that's basically what we're watching. So yeah, the the one New Year's Six game that I would be tempted to uh, and probably will uh, take a play on is Oregon minus sixteen and a half uh, because they don't have a ton of op outs specifically at quarterback and wide receiver, and I think they yeah. are smoke Liberty. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've watched a bunch of Liberty football this year. And And, and this is not, I mean, listeners know I'm a, I'm a Jamie Chadwell stan, but like reality is reality. Oh yeah. I mean, that's not a pick from, you know, out of hate or or anything like that. It's just their Oregon is your, your, the first power five opponent you've played this year. Um, Well, bowl games are crazy and I don't have a ton of faith in a spread that big in a bowl game. Uh, but I will say this, 66 and a half, not enough, like, in a bowl game to me, because I feel like Oregon can score 50 here, and they right. may get close to that at least, but it's a bowl game. So I do wonder about some of the defensive laydowns, as it were. I'm like, eh, it's a bowl game. We're not going to go as hard, especially if we're up 21 points, you know, kind of let maybe – Maybe Liberty climbs back in and gets a couple of late scores to take the over 66 because I feel like there's no chance that Oregon doesn't score 40 plus here. So, yeah, in fact, I talked myself into it. I'm going to take Oregon minus 16 and a half, even <laughs> though it's a, a non playoff bowl game that I normally <laughs> stray from. Oh, yes, I love it. I love that so much. Yeah, that's that's just not, not willing to touch any of those, but the only one that I kind of wanted to look at was like old miss plus the four and a half mm-hmm. any, thought, any thoughts on that against penn state i kind of lean old miss there taking the points man um me too um you know i haven't followed every team's opt-out situation real closely but i know penn state's missing some guys like chop robinson um i don't know if fashanu is playing or not and i'm honestly i'm not convinced that Penn State's the better team to begin with. So yeah, uh, nor I. And the other so one the I, other I, one I think I, I would that four and a half would be attractive and the Missouri Ohio State game is the other one that I uh, wouldn't hate if you told me you were going to throw down money lines on Ole Miss and Mizzou at plus one sixty four and plus one fifty two. <laughs> like I don't yeah, think I, would, I don't I think either, either one of those, those are bad bets. Yeah. I don't know. I just hey SEC yeah. and non-con this year has not been good. Bowl games so far. Eh, right. We'll see. It's But Kansas State's up 21-13 currently. Still got Oklahoma and Arizona to go tonight. Should be interesting in the Alamo Bowl. Uh, but we've got more good football to look forward to tomorrow. Uh, so, oh, speak, speaking of coaches opening their mouths and providing some bulletin board material, uh, maybe you didn't 
see this, maybe you did, but uh, Venables yesterday in one of the pregame press conferences referred to Arizona as probably the best team we'll play this year. <laughs> Ouch. Um, Shots fired at the horns, man. Well, the horns and, you know, Oklahoma State happened to win 10 games this year. Uh for instance, um, yeah, Texas A&M, God, those poor guys down to their fourth string quarterback last night, man. I feel yeah. bad for that. You're down to your like third immediately, year, right? And, yeah, and he walks off the field in an air cast. Not good. But yeah. I will say, Miller Moss, he, or not Miller Moss, the kid that, uh, yeah, the kid that oh, played for for A and M. I forget his name. I was thinking yeah, Miller I, Moss I did too. But yeah, Louisville just, I guess they, their kryptonite seems to be backup quarterbacks. Um, I guess. Miller Moss throws for six scores for USC. Yikes. Nice yeah. show in Brom. Yeah. And Arizona is actually favored in that game. Yeah. Um, one and a half, I think, is yeah. the last I saw. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I thought that was a little eyebrow raising. Like, oh, really? Like, <laughs> you, know, you say that like you're playing in the Mountain West or something. Uh, yeah. I don't know. You know. Only thing I think about that game is 59 and a half over. Which game? Arizona, Oklahoma? Yeah. Over. I'm not taking it. Just my thoughts. All right. We've gone on long enough. That's going to wrap us up for the week. We are going to come back at you probably next Tuesday after the semifinal games wrap up on Monday. Yeah. Either the second or third, I think we're looking at um, after semifinals, do a championship game preview. Should be a shorter episode. And then I don't know what we're doing after that. But yeah, I think we'll we'll do a. May have a couple of guest spots lined up there, maybe a year in review type of thing, some lessons learned. Or if we have nothing to do, we'll just dive right into the win total reviews and start discussing some of the things that they are who we thought they were or they're not who. They're not at all. At all. Yes, that's your cue, Neil Brown. Um, Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Indeed. Yeah, you and a few others. So Yeah, Shiano, Halfley. God, fucking Cristobal lays an egg in the bowl game against Shianu, man. I want that episode deleted. (laughs) Like, if we can, I I want it scrubbed. Yeah, go do some research and find which one that is, and I need to delete it off of there for sure. I cannot believe, and it wasn't even like talking about any particular game. It was like we went out of our way to to pump them up. Like, hey, no one's talking about these guys, but they look really good so far. And then it's just been <laughs> drooling down their chin the whole rest of the season from that. Oh, it's embarrassing. Yeah, I feel that like is. an idiot. <laughs> that's that's one of those. That's that's right up there with like me taking Maryland against Iowa in 2021 when they went out and threw five picks and lost by 50. You know, yeah, and I, and I took the points uh, to, of Maryland. Yeah, that's gassing up Miami in like week well, three or four or whatever it was. It, it's even more regrettable than two years ago during the Big Twelve preview when I said, "Yeah, you know, if I was if I had to place a bet on who's going to win the Heisman, I think I think Spencer Rattler would be my pick. Like, Ugh, why wouldn't yeah. he? Oh. That's what it feels like. Yeah, that's right. Like, I can't believe I said that shit out loud in front of a microphone. Hey, man, I picked DJ Uyunglele that year, so don't feel bad. We're right there together. Yeah. Yeah, so. All right. Well, that's going to wrap us up for the week. You guys can find us on social media at South End Zone Pod. You can follow me at Jason Bailey 47 You can follow Eric at Eric Mulher. And we will be back with you next week recapping the semifinals and getting into championship previews, getting ready to wrap up the season. So until then, catch you guys later. Thank on. you very much. Have a great day. Roll humps. <laughs> Roll humps.